0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Fortress Comic News, episode 354. I am one of your hosts, Chris, alongside my co-host here, Mike. What's going on, Mike? Hey, uh, nothing much. Got an interview today.
1: Um, Sha Lewis and Ryan Mosley. Going to be on the show to talk about um, their volume one coming out of Immortalis. Yes. So... You know. which I
0: made an ass to myself to their PR person. Cause I said, Hey, can I get the Kickstarter link for this? And yeah. <laughs> and they told me this is going through diamond. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know anymore. It's, sometimes it goes through both, but just for everybody out there, like, yeah, you know, it happens. This is someone I got to work with for the next few years. So that's going to be fun.
1: It's all right. In your defense, you talk to a lot of different people that send yeah. you a lot of different books. So
0: I'd forgive you. I, I also am just yeah. brimming with excitement right now. Are you? Yes. For what? Ladies, your man only wants one thing, and it's the The omnibus volume one. Oh, man. There you go. Look at it. Wow. That is pretty glorious. It's fucking wow. exist,
1: Mike. Unopened. Not yet. That's two copies. You bought one to read and one to keep for in the packaging forever. <laughs> Fuck, I don't make that much money. <laughs> That's actually really cool. <laughs>
0: No, oh, yeah, I was so excited when I got it. That's like the first twenty issues or something. It is Ch-ch-ch-ch. issues one through twenty-nine. Oh, damn! And Mike, mm-hmm. Power Fist or Power Man Iron Fist number seventy-three. Oh, in which Ram is a guest star.
1: That's cool. Hey, since we're sharing purchases. I snagged this little bad boy off eBay, because I scour eBay for graded comics all the time, because sometimes you can pick some up at bargain prices. This one, because I love the cover, is uh, Detective Comics number 535, The New Robin Unleashed at Last. But you know why I had to pick this one up? Chris is a Doug Doug Miach story, uh, Gene Colan, and Bob Smith art, but this is a crazy quilt story nice so that's crazy quote on the cover with all these lovely rainbow colors and i think i picked it up i got it i want to i want a um an auction with this and on the and on right there there's a dc advertisement chris i don't know if you can read that it says oh for ronan frank miller's ronan the poster don't miss it nice so DC advertising Frank Miller's Ronin on the cover. I
0: thought that was pretty cool too. A little piece of time. Funny you, uh, you say it's written by Doug Munch. Yeah. You know what else Doug wrote that wow. I've been reading? We'll be talk in depth about next week. What's that? The Adventures of the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> well, all right. Is <laughs> that, uh, yeah,
1: this was February 1984. It looks like. Yep. So those, yeah. I think
0: that was an eighties book too, right? uh 76 to oh. 77 i think wow nice but that's the book i've been doing on retro reread and next week will be the last issue so i'll talk about it on the show in depth then but there yeah you he, he writes that as well that's awesome yeah You're cool i'm looking up doug did a lot of cool stuff all the years i've yeah. been checking out his catalog
1: mm-hmm. um we'll talk about it a little bit later in the show before i forget i didn't know masters of the universe uh, revolution was uh was written
0: by tim sheridan I put, so I wrote notes while I was reading or watching it this morning. Yeah. And yeah, Tim Sheridan's one of the the writers. It's like what the hell?
1: If I, like written by Tim Sheridan I was I was only I'm only on episode 2, but I was like where did that come from?
0: Yeah. Was, wow. he, he writes 2 and 3 and he's put down as assistant writer or executive assistant writer or something like that. Like yeah. so he, I I think he was like number 2 to Kev in the the writing room is what they're That's trying crazy. to say. crazy. That's really cool. Yeah. So, um,
1: yeah, I mean, I I can't wait to talk about. I've watched a couple episodes. It was really good. Um, quick little funny story though. Uh, it was Saturday night, and uh, I was on the couch. I get a phone call from a buddy of mine, and Katie's like, "Who the hell's calling you?" And I was like, 8 o'clock on Saturday. We weren't doing anything." She's like, "Who's calling you?" And then I, like, I put it on speaker. And, um,
0: important detail a.m or p.m
1: p.m sorry okay saturday cool. night. i mean I, I don't do much anyways on saturday nights or <laughs> friday nights i don't remember it was one of the weekend nights whatever and uh he goes hey i'm at walmart and uh they got the owl man figure here <laughs> i said oh man can you he's like they got two i'm grabbing one do you want me to grab you one <laughs> And then proceeds to tell me how it's a different color than the other owl Man, and I was like, "Well, this is the exclusive Walmart owl Man from Forever Evil, so it's going to be the blue suit." He's like, "Yeah, it's the blue suit." And then we proceeded to talk about McFarlane action figures for the next like ten minutes, and then I hung up, and Katie just was looking at me with just the <laughs> most perplexed. <laughs> she's like, "I don't," she's like, "I don't even know how to touch that conversation." You guys were talking about the intricacies of the action figures. I was like, "Don't just don't ask."
0: The, uh, two things to add to that. One that's so I texted you at a, text, a Walmart yeah. exclusive Hell Green yeah, Lantern. Te-
1: yeah, I know.
0: And it was uh Alan Scott Green Lantern pop figure, but it was like the comic yeah. cover one. Yeah, I love those. And I only saw that because I was looking for your owl man. Oh, really? So yeah. I see
1: I got feelers out there. Appreciate it. Yeah. I found one, so <laughs> uh
0: and that just that just reminds me of that um I guess to the kids, it's a TikTok, but for me it's a real, because I'm an old man, I do. of Henry Cavill at an interview, when like, and then another actor just like, start talking about Warhammer. Oh, yeah. And it's just like, this is how simple it is for men to make friends.
1: Yeah, they're like, best buds now. Yeah. <laughs> That's all it is. That's all it is. Yeah. I just I think I mentioned like, comic books one time to a guy at work, and uh, now he just tells me, he sends me pictures every time he's out, like, Hunting for action figures.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: man. I love it. That's I got cool. an Owlman somewhere. I'll probably get it when I get to work tomorrow. <laughs> so.
0: so you just got the variant. You didn't get the regular.
1: I just got the variant, I believe. I'll I'll know for sure when I see it. I haven't seen a picture of it yet. I believe I got the new one. Okay. But he, he also had found a Captain Carrot in the wild. Because, folks, this is Toy Talk. DC released the Captain Carrot figure, which was a collector's edition through McFarlane. But uh that one's been hard to find. And I think I responded. He started calling me now because I responded too late to that text. So, so.
0: I didn't know you were looking for Captain Carrot. Hmm. Our my local shop, yeah. um, not only does he have Captain Carrot in stock. Oh, he does. Yeah. He got a he got like two boxes of that line. Uh-huh. And there's a Superman in there too. Uh-huh in each box he got a chase and one was a all blue chase uh superman like electric blue oh yeah and the other one was the or the chase um captain carrot which was his it's the same figure but it's his original coloring
1: oh damn
0: yeah and then he has like the the one that everybody sees you know the standard one just on the shelf right now if i would have known that i would have told you and yeah (laughs) Yeah,
1: it's like, it's like, I don't need these things, but
0: if people tend to find them and I'm like, yeah, all right, it's dude, it kills me. It's been sitting there for like a month now. Nobody's bought it. Nobody's bought it.
1: And,
2: and if you, every if time you, I'm just
0: like, I should just buy this. If
1: you're listening to this podcast and you don't know who Captain Carrot and the zoo crew is, pause it. Educate Google, yourself. Educate yourself because probably the greatest thing to ever come out of DC Comics,
0: it's phenomenal and stuff. never
1: get talked about. <laughs>
0: I have the, uh, I don't know if it's a full run. I have the first 11 issues in like pristine awesome. condition. Like it's, they're so nice copies that some guy was just selling. Mm-hmm. And I was like, and he's selling it for dirt cheap. And I'm like, I'll, I'll buy a fucking Captain Carrot and the zoo crew. <laughs> <laughs> Why would we'll I see, not want this?
1: I think the last time they talked about Captain Carrot too was, uh, was Convergence. Couple issues.
0: No, because he was in that Justice League incarnate.
1: Oh, he was part of that crew. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So they use him, but they never like they never tell him stories about him. The dude no. is as powerful as like Superman. Nobody talks. We need about
0: a him new there. Zoo Crew book. Yeah,
1: we really do. Yeah, we did a Zoo Justice League book. That's all we need. Yeah. Oh, we got dinosaur Justice League. Why can't we get the Zoo Crew back? They did the Zoo Crew dirty. They did the this dinosaur book and not them.
0: Jurassic League versus the Zoo Crew oh
1: shit zooker trapped on jurassic league earth or something come on guys this shit writes itself really like printing money yeah come on i would buy it let's go um all right i think with that we'll just jump into the jump in the news here chris all right let's do it uh marvel studios shared some screenshots for the next season of what if nice there we go so we have uh
0: uh sam wilson sam wilson cap uh so it'll be the first time sam's been in what if yep uh i believe this is the oh, one i know shit. you would get excited for dude those, those are giant gundams <laughs> uh
1: mobile suit mobile suit avengers is that what that is? <laughs> that's uh, amazing
0: this next one is for, it's the same. So that like trailer we got, or like the clip, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, it seems to be from that because we got uh Red Guardian and Mister mm-hmm. uh, Winter Soldier here. Very cool. And then uh, I like this too. It's oh, Ant-Man's, giant man holding giant man holding
1: Red Guardian. Yeah. So, not so tough.
0: Exciting stuff. I like what if. Uh, I always have enjoyed like the the comic series and this, this animated series has been a lot of fun too. So I, and to get some of these characters who weren't in the other ones and maybe going a different way with it will be even more fun. Cause half the, half the fun that I said a thousand times now, <laughs> fun, fun fun um, half the fun of what if is like the different characters and throwing them different scenarios. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily just like revisiting the same characters over and over again. So, right.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah, that's exciting when they do new stuff like that.
0: Yeah, I'm all in on what if season
1: three. Yeah, it looks it looks like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, finally got some news: Invincible season two part two has a release time frame. It's uh further away than we thought. Very upsetting. Uh, ho- hopefully we'll get it by the fall of this year.
0: Yeah, yeah, they announced it's gonna be fall, and I'm like, at that point, is it a part two? <laughs> or
2: yeah, why, is why season three?
0: Like, why even why even release? any episodes at all. <laughs> like I would have rather they waited till fall, just released the whole season. I yeah. mean, I know there was a huge gap and they were getting a lot of complaints, but like, this is, you take a break for a few months. if You're going to do it in parts. You don't, right. that's almost a full year, dude.
1: Yeah, no, that is, that is like a full year yeah so yeah it's very strange
0: i love the show but it's been very disappointing the production and i get we had fucking writer strikes and all this random shit going on but like it's been very disappointing yeah how long it's taken yeah but but i will watch it all
1: yeah i know everybody's (laughs) gonna be there when i want to watch it but (laughs) damn uh so masters of the universe revolution came out five episodes i think that's only five total yes so I watched, I just finished up the second episode, Chris. Uh, things I like, the, well, it's great. I, I I think this might be my favorite of the series so far. Um, the voice cast is phenomenal this season. I mean, you got Mark Hamill back as Skeletor. You have uh, William Shatner voicing uh, the King's brother. I can't think of his name. Uh, like Cron, I think his name is. Um, you have a multitude of people from Game of Thrones voicing people like that have always been in the show. Uh, I noticed Jason Mewes was in episode one.
0: <laughs> I
1: think he's been in every season. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Uh, I like the whole Skeletor. Ske- you know, Skeletor has been getting his ass kicked so many times with magic. Now he's just like, all right, you know, like tech is the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> I really like that he's like what's magic you know it's all about tech uh, at least with the first couple episodes I mean like the the whole thing about the father and like He-Man trying to be the the king and the hero at the same time uh, and then like I do like the whole dragon thing where the, the what the sorceress is doing and, and that whole side story so for two episodes in I'm really liking it
0: so i'll I'll save like spoiler talk for next week so we can mm-hmm. talk about it together i'll just say because i finished it uh-huh so all in all it's it's a great season uh i i still think i, I have a hard time choosing my favorite because like yeah they're all good well for me one is so special because yeah i wasn't a he-man fan so i was yeah, like yeah. i don't know about this and i yeah. fell in love with it that way yeah it's really fucking good the I love the animation in this. This is I was talking a lot about that Godzilla show where I thought they mixed like CG and mm-hmm. traditional really well.
1: Which I started by the way, so I now understand what you mean. Yeah, I'm on yeah. Like
0: episode two of that, and I think this show does it really well too. And I didn't the two things didn't click because I didn't watch He Man so long mm-hmm. that um I didn't really it didn't click in my brain that that was also doing it. So the animation is phenomenal. I'll say the only light spoiler I'll give is like, they're not done. Oh, okay. Uh, great. Yeah. There will be more, but yeah, it's an awesome season. If you've enjoyed the other ones, you'll enjoy this. Uh, I'll just say like, I didn't fucking Kevin, Tim swinging for the fences, trying to get me to cry and fucking episode one, man. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. So it's great. Yeah. But I'll, Next week, when we reconvene, we'll talk more in depth of the story, because there's a lot of stuff I'd like to talk dude, about. Dude, you
1: knew, you knew episode two as a Tim Sheridan episode when, uh, uh, what's his name, Cring, Cringer, was like, I've always loved being your battle cat my whole life. And I was like, shit, dude. <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: And they bring in some more goofy characters, too. Like, yeah. I think it's in episode two, so I'm sorry if this is a spoiler, but like, there's a dude with an elephant head that shoots yeah. water at people.
1: First, first episode, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah, just they, like, yeah. what the fuck is yeah. this?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when they're trying to get like the soul of like fister back. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, that was the thing. We got a Fistor reference.
1: Yeah, Fistor reference. Like, we got to get it back. And like this elephant dude shows up. Yeah, that's the best yeah. part about He-Man is like, they just bring people in to sell toys. <laughs>
0: yeah i love the goofy characters man they're great
1: then yeah there was like a cowboy that was like i was like how do you get this cowboy gunslinging laser dude in the middle of eternia that's like yee-haw go he's coming at you i'm like where does this guy come from
0: see the funny thing there is is that i bought entirely i'm like yeah, yeah. sure, cowboy dude with lasers let's go yeah okay but then i'm just like can we explain the intricacies of this guy's like internal systems because his chest opens up and there's just more laser? Yeah, yeah, he opens
1: his chest <laughs> and there's lasers. I'm like Like I get the toy.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. But yeah, the, this
1: show's great. Yeah, it's 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 really good and uh Mark Hamill
0: a Skeletor still so awesome, so good. Yeah. I'll say I forget who played uh never mind. Never mind. That's hmm. later on. Okay. There's another voice actor that shows up that I'm like really fucking in love with, and he's a oh, big man. name. But I honestly think Shatner is my least favorite edition. Not that he's bad. Yeah. I'm just saying that's how good the additions are, Matt. Like no, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Shatner, Shatner's really good. Yeah. Um I wanted to say I, I almost thought what's his name from Invincible was in it. Uh I can't think of his name. The guy who plays the dad. Oh, fuck. J. Jonah Jameson. Yeah. I just I think of him.
0: J. Jonah Jameson.
1: Yeah. That, that guy. I thought he was voicing somebody, but I can't remember. <laughs> Commissioner uh, Gordon. Yeah. Commissioner Gordon. Uh, Tony Todd was in the first episode as the Skellagore guy. That was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Or death, whatever that guy's name. Dude, was. that
0: first fight was great too. The way they yeah. in, like intro the show. Yeah. That was awesome. Sick. Yeah. Just a day in the
1: life. Uh, delicious in dungeon episode four caught up on that. <laughs> what a great episode that was, dude. Uh, clay golems uh growing vegetables or you know rock golems grow- growing vegetables on their backs and then like reharvesting them and then the orcs showing up and slaughtering everybody <laughs> uh and then like him him trading with the orcs it was just a really good episode over- overall
0: yeah so it- my notes are that we had golem farming
1: yeah which is amazing and dungeon
0: conservation yep And then they cooked a stewed cabbage and turnip salad and made bread. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, The recipes are great. I like the whole Golem thing. Like the Golem farming was really interesting and like kind of uh, very ingenious. Like, yeah, there's so much about this series and the manga. Yeah, yeah, that's well thought out. And to add to that, like you expect something like this to be, oh, we're having fun with these tropes and like cooking stuff in it but uh-huh. then they do the whole orc thing and add this layer to the lore of the world yeah that's just shooting way above your your pay grade yeah and- where it's like
1: oh you guys you know were slaves to our we enslaved our people and all this shows like whoa this got really really serious
0: it, and explained like the purpose of the dungeon and how yeah. like the person that conquers it's gonna it yeah the show's so good i, I know we got two I, great animated series that I would be shocked if we're not talking about in December.
1: Yeah, yeah. The uh... <laughs> and then you have moments where he's like the the dwarf realizes he can make bread, and he just keeps saying bread, bread, <laughs> and they're
0: like trying to have a conversation. He's like bread, <laughs> yeah, and like the. I said dungeon conservation. We didn't really talk about it, but like we get this moment where he's in his like little cubicle. Yeah. That he lives in. And he talks about how he like maintains the dungeon. So the ecosystem's working. Right. it just brings me back to like my days in conservation class Uh back in like high school and college. And like how one of the important things of like being an outdoorsman is conservation and making sure the ecosystem is run, And you're not just like, Mm -hmm. ruining the ecosystem and everything and then like this dude's talking about it with fucking ghouls and yeah right golems and skeletons yeah it's yeah it's a really great show
1: yeah it's very smart writing for sure and it's hilarious yeah um all right everybody we're gonna jump to this interview with sean lewis and uh, ryan mosley
0: and we'll see you all on the other side all right, everybody, we've got two very special guests for you this week and also two new very special guests. That's always fun. Everybody welcome to the show show Sean Lewis and Ryan Mosley.
3: Welcome boys. Hey, Hello. how's it going? Thank you for having us.
0: Hey guys, thanks for uh, taking the
1: time. It's it's nice to have two new guests because we've been doing this for a little bit now. So um, and when we have new guests, unfortunately, we have to put you guys through the gauntlet of doing a little bit of an origin story or at least how you guys got working together. If you,
0: um, if you don't remember your first comic, then you, I have to kick you off the show. No,
3: yeah. No,
1: no, <laughs> we don't have to no, But I don't know if you just want to give us some insight into like, you know, what got you into comics? You know, how did you get here working together? That kind of thing. Sure. Um, whoever wants to go first,
3: Sean, up to you, brother. Uh, so yeah, I, I've always been a comic fan. You know, I remember as a kid, there was a place uh, we used to get it. me and my four my friends would always get our comics at Fruit Pharmacy on the old metal spinner rack. Oh, you know? yeah. yep. Every Wednesday, I'd go down to the Fruth Pharmacy, spend like three hours just looking through them, deciding which two you're going to buy because you didn't have any money, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> yep. So always been a comic fan. The first time I really ever thought about writing comics or thought of comics as kind of a an art form other than the art itself. 'Cause I can't draw to save my life. Mm-hmm. Was uh Frank Miller's run on Daredevil where the Kingpin finds out that Matt Miller's the Daredevil just I've still got those issues. That's one yeah. some issues I would never get rid of, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Loved it. The greatest writing to this day that I, I've read in a comic, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, always loved them. Kind of got fell out of it a little bit, you know, in and out of it a little bit, you know, with the spec market and how it got kind of weird for a while there and all that. Yep. Back in about oh uh, five, there was a started getting back into indie comics and i was reading one from Daka Waka, a company out of new jersey well they ran a contest uh finished the last five pages of this issue for us so i submitted wrote the last five pages came in third didn't even win but the uh the owner was like hey i like what you're doing it just doesn't fit our story how we were going where we're going with it but if you have anything else send it to us so i sent him a i I had done a uh just a kind of a spec script called force 51. Sent it to him. He liked it. They published it. Uh, didn't lose any money. Didn't make any money, but didn't lose any money, which, you know, for an indie comic, that's a good thing, right? Yeah, right. Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that. He liked it. Um, said, if you got anything else, put it together, send it to me. Um, I'd worked on some screenplays and stuff, never done anything with him, you know, just writing kind of mm-hmm. like writing exercises thing. So I converted one of them called Purity to a four-issue miniseries. Sent it to him. He liked it. They published it. Uh, Kickstart Entertainment, who did uh, Wanted with Angelina mm-hmm. Jolie, um, did Preacher, The Boys, all that. They optioned it, took it, uh, went wide with it. About 150 table reads, you know, with different producers and things. Didn't go anywhere, so they rewrote it with Hollywood writers. I didn't like what they wrote, but you know, at the time, I did. You don't know what you don't know, right? So I'm right, like, right, right, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I was like, a, yeah. So I'm like, okay, whatever. I thought. Kind of felt it lost the human element kind of deal, mm-hmm. but went with it, you know, it ended up in turnaround hell and just died a slow, painful death. Um, kind of fell out of writing to Mike Penny, the owner of Doc Walker. He passed away in 2009. So it was just, you know, it's kind of burnout on everything. It's just right. kind of too much for me at the time. Uh, then in about, what was it, Mosley, 2018, 2019, 2020?
2: Yep. It was 18, yeah, it was 18 19, somewhere in there. It was before the pandemic, right? Or was it during? I can't remember. It was right before the pandemic started. And the yeah. whole reason we got to be where we're at is because we had so much time to write. all right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Right. All that extra time. What else are we going to do? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: So yeah, yeah. But Mosley kicked yeah. around this idea and he, he sent me this idea and I was like, and, and how I am. And my wife hates this about me is if somebody gives me an idea, I got to think about it for three or four days before I'm going to come back to you and say, mm-hmm. good idea, bad idea, how that kind of thing, if we can approve it. So he thought I hated it because I did. I didn't say anything to him for like three or four days. I was like, "Hey, that idea got stuck in my head. Here's the first eight pages." So I sent right. it to him, yep. and and we were off and running. So, wow. Yep.
1: Yeah, that's the worst too. When you send off an idea and you're like waiting for someone to review it, and you're like, I don't know, I haven't heard back in three days, and then you and then you message them like, "Dude, I'm reading like sixty other scripts. I'll get to it." He's like, okay, okay. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh. So now, Ryan, what about you? With all that, how did how oh, did sure. it start for you?
2: Yeah, so I grew up. My dad was in the army, mm-hmm. and so I moved around quite a bit. Uh, so I didn't have like a set group of friends that I was growing up with. But mm-hmm. the one thing that was that was uh, pretty constant in like the post exchange was uh all Marvel and and DC comics were every every month were in in the PX. Mm-hmm. So while my family went and shopped, I have I have three sisters. I don't have any brothers. Yep. While they why they went and shopped? I I would go and, and read comics. Uh-huh. And, and that's kind of where the, the love for comics came from and in fact I, when i really started to get into them was when jim lee was a uh, leading x-men right uh, x-men number one when, when he like all that yeah. like it just it blew my mind because it was so different from everything else that was kind of out there uh-huh. and it was just so it was uh from that point on it's just like i anything that was comic related it was it was something that i was going to be interested in right like so this is the late eighties, you know? So, I mean, we, Batman, uh, the first Batman 89 came out like not too long after that or right yep. before that. Right. So like that kind of, all that stuff kind of just melded together and, and it just, you know, it was in a love affair kind of, you know, that I just kept on every, I mean, I'm nearly 50 years old now, but I still read comic books pretty regularly. You know what I'm saying? Like
0: right.
2: it's just, it's something that became just part of who I am. And so, mm-hmm. When when you that happens, right? You, you're reading all these comic books. You you start to like, hey, maybe I could write a story, right? And so, this is something that that Sean didn't touch on. Like I I've I've taken creative writing classes in college and things like that. And so like that's always something I've done. Is I've been a storyteller, and and Sean and I used to work pretty closely together. Um, like, I mean, there was I, I guess we counted a stretch of like maybe four years where I think we saw every, each other like five days a week. For like mm-hmm. four or five years, like it, and then there was times when it was even more than that because the nature of our the business that we were in it, it demanded us to because uh, we were kind of frontline managers, mm-hmm. so we'd have to be there a lot and and for long days and things like that. And so, like I was, I was, you know, I, I've always kind of just wrote stories and things like that just for myself. I'd never really published anything, and I had this idea, and I'm like, I I really, and I didn't really know like who to talk to. But then I remembered a conversation that we had. I found out that Sean had published a comic book in 2009. I'm like, what? And so, like, I wanted to. I read it and I loved it, and, and I was like, hey, you should do this more. And you know, he's like, no, nah, I don't. I'm not really into it. So that's like, you know, nine years prior, right? So and then mm-hmm. I, I get this idea, and I'm, I'm like, I am right there. Like, I know this is a good idea. This is something that nobody is else has out there right now. You know, and I, I really think that we could probably do something pretty cool with it. Mm-hmm. And I, but I didn't I, I couldn't think of anybody to like tell it to like i my wife she doesn't care you know so it's like <laughs> she's like yeah that great sounds cool to me right
1: yeah yeah go ahead do it
2: <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so I'm sitting there thinking i'm like and then I'm on them I'm like sean like published a while back like maybe he has like some contacts or something that I could talk to or
1: right, right. Hear this
2: out and so you know one of the, when when I started talking to him he's like yeah well pitch me the story I'm like okay you know and so I go through it and and we have maybe an hour, maybe not quite an hour conversation, like all these different ideas that I had in my head. And it just wasn't like it was nearly there. It just wasn't quite exactly what you have right now. And so I pitched it to Sean. He's like, huh, you know, sounds cool. You know, kind of like just kind of, kicked me off a little bit and kid, you bother me. Yeah. yeah. I just
0: I picture Sean just being like, okay, and then walking out of the room right. and I'm <laughs> three days later. I'll yeah. be like, oh it's kind of cool. I liked it. Kicking
2: his door. <laughs> Mostly, that idea you had. <laughs> so that, that's you know you you think it's funny, but that's kind of the way it was like <laughs> like he basically like, huh? And then we don't talk for like two or three days. And then he like calls me back cause we're living in two different States by then. Yeah. He's like, you know, that idea we were talking about, he's like, I love it. It's a great idea. Here's the first eight pages. Wow. You know? And so like from that point on, like we, and we communicate all the time about the story, you know what I'm saying? Like, and we took right. probably, I don't know, maybe 18 months, like just storyboarding different ideas and coming up with different characters and things like that. And, and then, you know, we, there's the, the story itself is it's huge. It's broad, but the one, like we kept on like trying to like, like kind of sculpt it down to, to like the, the part that we found that was probably the, the furthest along in the story. And that's, that's Tam's story. Right. But there's, there's parts of the story that go back, you know, like in our history, like 10,000 years. And like, I think we have like maybe 800 years into the future, even after what happens to Tam's story. So like we, but, Sean's kind of laser focused on on telling Tam story right now and I'm I'm kind of storyboarding like I'm doing some of this the backstory and for one of the main characters right now and, and that's kind of what I've been working on while Sean's been doing this and we I mean we still talk about about Tam stuff but like we're at that point right now how many sh- how many Sean how many episodes or issues do we have in the can right now uh there's 22 of Immortalis
3: and we have got three we, we we can't maybe you guys can help us we're trying to find a find a story for it right now we're workshopping Immortalis side quests but we can't figure out it's like an anthology of three oh. stories of the characters but we can't figure out what to call it so yeah okay yeah, okay. So, yeah but, so like 25 issues ready to go right now so that's yeah so, wow, so like awesome.
2: like so we're pretty we're pretty deep into it right but but there's that, so much more story to tell.
3: Or? Fully scripted. Uh, right now, um, we just sent Harriet Marcosia. We just sent him a completed issue six through nine for the next trade paperback. After that, we're thinking we're going to do the anthology with the three side quest stories until we find a better name. And then we're going to do probably issue 10 through 15 for the next trade paperback. So, but so yeah, not, 22. Nine scripted. issues
0: content complete. Correct. And then,
2: okay. Sorry, Ryan, Uh, to cut you off. I just wanted to. Oh, no, no, no.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's
1: a lot of content you guys put together. (laughs) Yeah, We got to remember,
3: like Ryan said, we, we, before we even sought an artist, we spent 16 months just doing the overall arc of the story. Mm -hmm. And, and, and it was kind of weird because we knew, you know, with Scout, Boom, Dynamite, all those at the time that, you know, they're looking for six to eight issues at a time. They don't want to do a six to eight year run. Right. right I mean, right. nobody wants to invest that much time and energy into it, but we knew if we wanted to tell the story we wanted to tell, it'd be like six to eight years. Yep. So yeah, we, we kept arcing it, getting it all together, character build outs, bios, all that stuff to get to the point where we're at, where we're like, okay, now we can find an artist. So mm-hmm. yeah.
1: Wow. And, and right now you're at a point, I mean, you've done, some kickstarters in the past with the project, but you're at the point now where you can fully publish a volume one, which is five issues, six issues. Correct. Yep. Okay. So, what's wh- give us the because you talked about Tam a little bit, so we haven't really got into like what the story is. I know you you talk about gods and <laughs> heaven and hell yeah. and things like that. So I know there's probably more complexity to the story I than know. that. But I, I, okay, I, I, what is what is this? Uh, what is Immortalis?
3: Uh the, the basic elevator pitch is a war between heaven and hell and the old gods of myth. The old gods of myth as they slowly faded away f- away from monotheism, the uh Aztec Greek, Roman gods, Celtic gods, they all kind of just kind of faded into the background. Well, they didn't go away. And now they're trying to come back and destroy heaven and hell so they can come back and be prominent. So mm. yeah, that's the that's the overall elevator pitch for it, kinda. So okay.
1: <laughs> and where where does Tam fit into all that? She's the she's the main character we're following. So,
3: so in issue one, and this this was another thing, a weird thing for, that we did, I know, because I mean we made so many missteps when we started. Because with, with Doc Walker, you know, I had a publisher. I just sent him stories, and he would find the artists and all right. that stuff, mm-hmm. letters, colors, all that. So we were having to do that all on our own for the Kickstarters and stuff. But So uh, our, in the very first issue, we didn't want it to seem like a historic piece, but the very first issue is uh, Tam's father is in the British uh, Surrey militia. He's in India. Mm-hmm. he uh, gets attacked by the, um, I guess you call them natives back in the day. You know what I mean? The, right. The Indian the, people. The, the, the yeah. Yeah. So, um, and as he's about to get killed. He throws up a plea to heaven and hell. He's like, heaven, if you want not help me, then maybe hell can get me out of this. Well, they take him up on him. Three years later, an angel and a demon come and appear to him and say, all right, you remember that, that plea you made to us? We're here to collect. We want your mm-hmm. first child. He's like, Why well, I don't have any children. And they're like, well, you will. So that's where Tam comes about. So, Oh, okay. Yeah, interesting. So
1: that's how she gets roped into the mix,
3: right? Right. Yeah. She's an unwilling participant, exactly Absolutely. right. That's a big part yeah. of the story too. It's like, yeah, I didn't do any of this shit. Why am I? <laughs>
2: yeah,
0: right, right, right.
2: Well, and, and the thing is, is she's actually they, the the prophecies were a little bit uh, skewed, so she's actually out of her time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what happens is, uh, we have to somehow get her to the modern era. From Mm -hmm. where she, so she, she grows up in the early 1800s, Victorian era England, right? Yep. And, uh, she's trained by, by certain elements that the, the gods or, or heaven and hell kind of, uh, set aside for her so that she learns how to become what she's supposed to be, which is the one true diocide. And, uh, but then they, as they're, they're studying the prophecy, they realize that she's early. And Mm -hmm. so, so that, uh, (laughs) so that that becomes a big issue a big problem for her and and it's part of the story you know and then she somehow winds up in modern time and we had to put a team around her and so one of the things that we wanted to do is one of the questions that I posed to Sean early on was like what if we made all of like the the guys that we typically think that are bad guys the good guys Mm -hmm. right so you have a vampire you have like a Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde you have like a A dragon warrior you know with with uh like ancient ancestors in his head and Mm -hmm. you have a like a an immortal right so you have all these guys that have typically in our culture have been bad guys and we're we're putting them on on the good side Mm -hmm. so they have like all these like supernatural type abilities that help tam do her job so but there's
0: interesting
2: there's not all to the that's not all to the story there's a whole bunch of other stuff that that happens but it, it's pretty important that they are are surrounding her at mm-hmm. you know when when the inevitable war comes right so she has people that she thinks she can count on you know
1: right yeah I think that's uh yeah that's that's pretty cool it sounds like you have a slew of characters that sound really interesting <laughs> um <laughs> you have I yeah, I know you said you you guys had written a, quite a few characters for the for the whole series and things like that.
2: Yeah, there there's some characters that we have written that we have full bios for that aren't even really major characters in the story. Like they you, they won't show up until a, a different story. They'll they'll pop in and out of of the story of Tam's story, but they're not they're not the main focus of, of this story. But they will be later on or, or earlier, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, it's something else that we wanted to do. So we 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 really wanted to weave together like a world that you know, has specific, like, um, laws and, and things like that, that that we don't, we try not to break. And, you know, one of the things that Sean and I talk about, like, you know, in comic books, when somebody needs to fly, ultimately, they, they just, oh, hey, look, I now have the power to fly.
1: Right, right. We
2: always kind of found, like, really ridiculous. Yep. So we, what we did is if they have some kind of supernatural ability or power, we we had to explain it, right? Oh, yeah. We had to, under you have to understand how and why it happens you can't just say oh well look it's a it's a mutated gene now i can i have the power (laughs) pieces or anything like that like there had to been something they either acted upon or or their environment Mm -hmm. made them the way that they are you know what i'm saying so so that's that's stuff that we really wanted to hone in on and and it really kind of helps us write the story because we we try to want to kind of want to base all this stuff even though it's you know we're talking about like mythology and we're talking about monsters and all this stuff we really kind of wanted to base it into like a reality so that we didn't like break that, that the bounds, you know, mm-hmm. to kind of make the story relatable and believable, you know?
1: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense.
2: That's yeah.
0: So when you're like Sean, you were talking about how uh, before you were just handing in scripts and being like, just make it. And now you have to do a whole lot more. Uh, how did that process go for you? And uh, who ended up being the, the art team you worked
3: with? So again, like I said, we, we didn't know what we didn't know. We, we wanted to tell the story we want to tell. So the first issue kind of came off like a, a historical piece. Cause it's about Tam's father. The second issue is about uh, the rest of the team being assembled and Tam doesn't even appear in issue number two. So we actually hired an artist, Ben Perkins out of uh, Portland to mm-hmm. do issue number three. Cause it's the first time that Tam and the team are all together and everything. So uh, and that was actually a friend of a friend through Ryan's right. Ryan, yep. you knew yeah. One of your old college classmates, I think knew Ben. Right. Yep. So we reached out to Ben. We, we liked Ben, like what he was doing. He had a bunch of projects in the fire, a bunch of stuff going on. So he did that issue three for us just to get it out there. Uh, and yeah, the, the whole process, man, it was so eye opening Cause we were doing, you know, you got to get your, your inkers, your pencilers, your letters, your colorists, your cover artists. Mm-hmm. And then after you get all that done, then you got to start your Kickstarter. You got to start doing your graphics. You got to start doing your, uh, ordering all your, uh, swag and everything you're going to have for your different levels of your Kickstarter. And it was just, man, it was crazy. So yeah, we, uh, somehow got issue one and two out there, got funded, went really well. Um, then did issue three and four, cause we're, we're still under this crazy idea, right? That, uh, we come out, we wanted to do a six and eight, six to eight year series, which is already, you know, stacking the cards against us. Yeah. And then we're thinking not only that, but we want to do 12 issues a year, which that's just, I mean, insane. It's insane. Cause yeah, uh, but, but I'll, I'll be honest with you. The one thing that always burned my butt was, uh, I hate it when I get a good story on Kickstarter and I back it and then I'm getting the next 22 pages eight months later. I'm like, right. you can't, you can't, right. it that sucks. Yeah. yeah, it does. I'm, I want yeah. more of that story. Bring it yeah. to me, you know? Right. So, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we just, we're, we just started bucking the trend like, listen, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it our way. We're going to mm-hmm. do, we're going to go 12 issues a year. We're going to do a long series and that's just the way we're going to do it. I mean, we either fail or we won't. So, so we did our first three Kickstarters, six issues, got them all out there, got them all funded. Everything was going good. Um, and then we got lucky cause, uh, our letter, I'm all side out of Chicago. Great letter. Great guy. Use him anytime mm-hmm. I can. He's like, Hey, I'm submitting. He's doing his own comic called Joan jet. Yep. Kind of a take on the rocket rocketeer kind of thing. He says with a British publishing company, Karmacosia, I think mm-hmm. your stuff is perfect for them. Cause when you got a British heroin, that kind of thing. Yep. So we submitted it to him. Um, Harry loved it. Um, signed us, we kicked the contracts back and forth a little bit. And, uh, yeah. now here we are a year in, we thought, you know, it'd be like three years before we found a publisher, right? We thought we were going to do the Kickstarter route, trying somehow to get out 12 issues a year yep. for the first three years. And now yep. got a publisher, we're going to publisher when Barnes and Noble and it's just kind of, yeah, it's yep. kind of crazy. <laughs> that's, that's cool. And I, I
1: was going to actually, that you answered the question because I was bringing up, how did you end up with a, a publisher in the UK? But I guess. Right.
3: Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Through our letter. That's, and that's a weird thing. Just like, just like with our first artist, Ben Perkins, out of Portland. I mean, mm-hmm. me and from Ryan didn't know him from Adam, and it was yeah. a friend of a friend. Same with yeah. same with Harry from Marcosia; it was a friend of a friend. So, That's cool. so well, even I, though we weren't big in the comic scene, I mean, everybody's super awesome, super nice. Yeah. And everybody kind of supports each other. So,
2: yeah, and you know, secondarily too, like finding the right artist too is is like it proved to be a bigger challenge than we we realized. I I mean, we found Ben; we were fortunate. But it wasn't like we found Ben overnight. Like I had to like go through the, the, the friend list on, on Facebook and be like, Hey, does anybody know a comic book artist? Like, you know, I, I've looked on Reddit a little bit. I hadn't had much success there. And so like, we didn't really know anybody. And so like, I, I had a guy, one of my friends, he, he teaches art in high school in, in Florida. And so he knew Ben somehow and, and that's how we got together. Right. And so, but we knew that Ben wouldn't wasn't going to be able to do the workload that we needed him to do. And so like, we still, even after we found him, we had to find other artists as well. Uh, one of the artists that, that Sean had worked with previously, um, he, he loved it. In fact, it's one of our lo- it's our logo, right? It, yeah. He's, he's the one that, uh, put it together. And that's cool. like, it's pretty crazy too, because that's, a, that's a whole nother story, but like, we, we pitched him the idea, and like the next day he had already drawn all the picture out and, and sent it back to us. And like, here's my concept of, of what I'm seeing. Like that, like that's how quickly it was, but like, we had to like find artists. And one of the, one of the luxuries that we have now is that we've worked with so many, like Sean and I can sit down and say, Hey, so so-and-so is good at, at writing or doing action. Let, let's give him issue, you know, issue six because it's got oh, a, lot yeah. of, a lot of yeah. action, right? Or mm-hmm. this is more of a historical piece. So why don't we give this to so-and-so, you know what I mean? Like, we're able, we're able to do that, and which is a, it's actually proven to be a, a nice, a nice luxury for us, you know.
3: Yeah, that's great. It's
2: it's kind of good and
3: bad though, because here's the thing too that, we 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 approach this from a floppy perspective, right? We were talking, you know, twenty two pages, two issues at a time. Mm-hmm.
2: We're, mm-hmm.
3: we're we're fanboys. We want to do floppies. That's just that's what we grew up reading. That's what we wanted to do, right? Yeah. So now with Marcosi, they're like. Yeah, we can go down to forty pages, but we like to keep it a little bit higher. So it's like now we're looking. We gotta we gotta kind of shift gears and do five, four or five issue blocks at a time. So, mm-hmm. so that's kind of changed our whole process too. We're trying to keep at least two issue artists together. You know what I mean? So we can yep. kind of keep the art kind of similar, that kind of thing. So,
2: yeah, I mean you you can see Ben's art definitely ch- is different from anybody else that we used. Yeah, but but also we really dug what he was doing. You know. Yeah. So, like that—that's like the the difference is, you know, we're we're just able to use all these great artists that we've we've just met by doing this, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's great. Yeah, that's that's awesome that you got that those connections. So.
0: You guys talked a little bit about that, like the anthology you're trying to put together as a part of this universe. Is that something where you guys are going to write the whole thing and just try to find other artists? Or Are you trying to bring in <laughs> like friends and other writers to help make it?
3: No. So, so that's the weird thing about that. Right. Um, Ryan talks about how this kind of universe kind of took on a life of its own and just kept getting bigger and bigger, you know, for the anthology, we're like, we made these, uh, mercenary characters. They're the uh, heartless bastards. They're the, uh, living embodiment of the egyptian canopic jars right so you got you know like one's got the falcon head baboon head uh jackal yeah. head and the isis head we we were like why don't we make living living embodiments of those and you know give them like superpowers like they're almost minor daddies kind of thing mm-hmm. so we did that and we had him in issue number 12 which uh currently uh, lucas Assis, one of our artists is working on right now to finish that up And we're like, man, they were just so interesting characters, you know, because they're just nobody. I've never seen anybody do that with the the canada jars, bring them to life kind of thing. Right. So then I just started writing this, started outlining the story. And the next thing you know, I'm writing like it jumps from it starts off in Cuba, then jumps to Yemen and then jumps to the Vatican City for these guys, (laughs) these mercenaries. And yeah. And I was like and then I look up and I'm like 45 pages in and I've got a whole two issue series around I'm like, no, I'm going to stick that in an anthology. Right. So we're writing it all, but we're using different artists. So oh, okay. <laughs> no. okay. It's like there's cool. so much depth to, to like these old mythological gods and stuff and just so much weird stuff that used to happen. If, if you look at what happened with Zeus and stuff, he was yes. not a good guy, man. Oh, <laughs> no, this is a shit. Yeah, <laughs> he was. A, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was a POS for sure. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so it's just, yeah, it's just, there's so much to it. And like, so we Did uh Sharon the ferryman of the dead, right? Mm-hmm. He uh he ferries the dead, all that. In our times, we brought him, he's like a freaking overweight truck driver type guy. You know it <laughs> so it's just there's just so many things and cool things you can do with it and stuff. So that's yeah, awesome. it, it just kind of takes on a life of its own. And yeah, it's I'm having a great time writing this. So. One
2: one of my favorite stories actually is in the anthology, too. It's uh, one of the main characters winds up in the old west, and uh maybe happens across a, a a traveling band of vampires. Right. (laughs) uh, Yeah. yeah, It's a, it's, it's nothing I've ever seen before, but it is so interesting. It's, it's a great story and uh, it really fits well with like the, the story that we're telling for Tam right now. Right. So you, but the one, obviously it's, it's one of the immortal characters, right? So we, we were able to put him in the old West and, and he's not really like a gunslinger, but, like, he's around them, you know? Mm-hmm. And so just seeing him chase after vampires in the Old West is, is something I don't think I've ever ever really seen anywhere, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, that's cool. Yeah.
1: it's awesome. Chris is interested. He said vampires, so he's... <laughs> yeah, I'm always, I'm always in for vampires. Hey, there you yeah.
3: go. You can't go wrong. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, I'm excited, guys. I'm glad we got to, to sit and chat. I know the uh, uh, Immortalis Volume 1, it's going to be in Shops January 30th. Yep. Um, So as this, as this episode comes out, everybody, it'll be in shops already. Um, And it was, uh, it was up for pre-order, but you can get it through Marcosia's website, right? Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you said, which is. Yep. That's awesome. When you go to Barnes & Noble, you see like your book on a shelf there. That's going to be Yeah, I know. That's,
3: yeah, no, that's going to be one of those. I'm just going to lay down on the floor and just like, kind of fan myself. <laughs> like you, you're going <laughs> to stand in the
1: that. comic section and be like, do you want me to sign that? Do you want me to sign right. that? Oh. <laughs> I'm
3: <laughs> hey, not even going to ask. I'm just yeah, going yeah. to <laughs> start like, signing stuff. <laughs>
1: just hold the book up be like, here you go. This is a good one. I recommend I'm this gonna one. I'm going to buy them and start giving them to people at the door
3: already signed. Yeah, you know? yeah that's awesome. <laughs> Can, yeah
0: can i give one more for sean real quick before we go oh yeah Do so you had those old books that you did for um what was the name of that publisher
3: uh so it was kickstart entertainment which i know it's weird because it was yeah I, I hooked up with them in 2005 and in about 2009 kickstarter started but it was yeah kickstart entertainment there was a there was a super awesome lady named samantha olsen Shear. i think she's with uh zynoscope now she kind of championed us with them and she was she was so- awesome for trying to get it out there
0: so they're defunct now, right? No, they're still going on. They
3: oh, do all stuff. They did Doc McStuffins. Um, they got the bo- they do the boys oh. now. So
2: are you, are you talking about Doc Waka though? Is that that was? No, the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Doc yeah, right. yeah, 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 Doc
3: Walker's defunct. Uh, Mike Penny, who uh he had cerebral palsy, he passed away in two thousand nine. He dude did more with less than I'll ever be able to do in wow. eighty freaking years. So yeah, do you know? Yeah, kind of. Do you Just, know in that scenario, like who owns your, your books? Uh, so funny story. Uh, I was talking to Ryan about this cause we were talking about re-releasing uh, purity yep. somehow tied to, you know, Marcosia. Cause, um, and I believe it's in 2018, the rights came back to me. So oh, yeah, wow. after 10 years. Yep. So, okay. And what's great about that is it was, uh, Mike had actually found an up and coming uh, Andres Guinaldo, who went on to do Wonder Woman, Captain America, mm-hmm. does a bunch of DC and Marvel stuff, did uh, Gotham City Sirens, yep. Justice League Dark, did all that stuff. So, so yeah, we got some art by him. And I'm just like trying to figure out the right time to re-release it and put it out there and kind of get that going. So it,
2: The nice cool. part, too, is we can use that as a secondarily and tie it back into the story. So, which yes, is what we've so, already done. Right. Honestly, it's in it's in the yeah. anthology. So.
3: <laughs> Ryan just read it, so spoiler. I just sent him the uh, the finished copy of the Heartless Bastard story in there, and I use uh in purity. The main hero has these two pistols given to him by Heaven and Hell, uh, thy holy cannon and angel duster, mm-hmm. and they show up in that Heartless Bastard story. So yeah, oh, cool. Kind of a callback. That's awesome. Yeah, so that it's oh, that, cool.
2: that, a deep cut for anybody that that right. purity, you <laughs> know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That you put stuff in it's
0: there a like that. Deep cut for Sean's hardcore fans. Right,
2: right. right. All two of them. Yeah, we will hey. You. <laughs> hey, there's there's more than uh, more of those than you know just me. So yeah. <laughs>
0: Each other's biggest fans, that's awesome. Right,
3: exactly, yeah. right?
0: <laughs> I just think of the rest of the development. There's dozens of us. Right. <laughs> yeah. tens, tens of us will be coming yeah.
3: after you. Bro. Hell yeah. Tens of us. <laughs>
0: awesome uh no
1: that's that, awesome I yeah. love to hear
0: that, that the rights went back too
1: yeah that's very cool that, that that happened you can you can bring that in with your other stories too yeah um guys thanks again for being here uh Sean and Ryan if you guys uh, our listeners our viewers want to follow you and the stuff you're doing is there anywhere you want to send them specifically like social media stuff like that
2: yeah sure uh, so we have our own website we uh, we actually have our own logo. Nice. Uh, mnl Comics. It's at m-a-n-d-l dot com or m-a-n-d-l comics dot com. Right. That's yep. that's the <laughs> that website, and then uh, you can follow us on M and L on Facebook, and then there's Immortalis the on on Twitter X, and then the what Tam Immortalis on uh, on Instagram. Those are the cool. those are the, the socials that we have right now. Very good. And and the, the it's great stuff. We. uh, one of our, um, our 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 PR people and in marketing, they they're helping us out. And big shout out to Catherine who's really kind of taking that over for us. And like we actually have like regular content now, which is something yeah, that nice. we really had
3: before. <laughs> nice. right? that's awesome. That's
2: so, what they don't tell
3: you when you're trying to do a comic, right? And you're trying to do the Kickstarter route. You got to do artist letters, cholera, find a publisher, find a, oh yeah, you know, do all your build it all out do all the graphics do all this so it's like who's got time for social media
2: you know yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. Yeah. so so she's really done some a lot of stuff for us and and so we we definitely uh we appreciate that you know but we we actually have active socials which is something we you know from the beginning like we tried but like that wasn't a part of our kickstarter this is just something that we we've recently just started really pushing on and so like we have active stuff it has our our news Comic Con schedule where we'll be will be this year. And uh cool. you know, we you know, anything else that comes up like this, we'll we'll link to the your interview and, and any of the other interviews that we've done and, and things like that, you can you can find them on our socials now. So pretty awesome. excited about that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's great. That's, that's great to great. have that support. That's it makes a big difference.
3: Yep.
0: For Sean, sure. do you have any to to pimp out for
3: no, just uh, if, if you want to get the book or if you have a specific place, Barnes & Noble, uh, you can always link to that through marcosia.com. He has all of them, books of me, and drive-through comics. All that is linkable through his through that website on Marcosia. Just go to Marcosia Great. and search Immortalis. Awesome. And choose yep. your favorite vendor, and you'll be good to go. Hell yeah. <laughs> and to everybody
0: out there watching and or listening, I'll have some of those, those uh, websites in the show notes down below. So you don't have to search awesome. anything and just click. There you yep, go. There Thank you. Good you. Good awesome. Stuff. Click the button.
3: Click the button.
0: (laughs) Make sure you do that and then check out the book uh, because it sounds awesome and it looks awesome. And uh, you guys have been a blast to talk to. So we definitely have to do it again sometime. And uh, best of luck with the launch.
3: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Yes. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it.
1: And we're back. We're back. Immortalis, Volume 1, Uh, in previews. So. Yes, Look check point. it out. Tell your local comic
0: shop that's what you want. Yes, yeah, tell them order this book for me or else, or else, so I'll cancel all my DC books. Just kidding, which I know is like two, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh,
1: comic news, everybody, what we're all really here for. Um, a little bit of it. DC Comics released info on their uh new comic book day title 20 or free comic book day. 2024 title and as usual it'll be world changing the one shot promises a new lineup for two titans oh no and a story 30 years in the making tying 1994's event zero
0: hour wow interesting yeah uh, I never read zero hour not gonna lie to y'all
1: I will say Chris very interesting alright let's break this down for a second Okay. Marvel had something really great going for them in the 90s. A ragtag team of teens in a, uh, in a environment much like the Teen Titans called the X-Men, the animated series mm-hmm. in the 90s. Uh, went away, came back as a comic book. Really great. People are loving it. Marvel's like the one up they have on DC right now. DC's like, hey, <laughs> we have a thing that people used to like. Uh, a ragtag team of teens. Mm-hmm. That this this story that nobody's ever read from the '90s <laughs> could tie into, uh, and here we are. I mean, I never read Zero Hour. I was never a huge Teen Titans fan. Um, but this doesn't seem like anything anybody was waiting for, really. You know, uh,
0: I so it made me interested enough to like go on Amazon, and look at Zero Hour, and be like, yeah. "What is this book? And should I pick it up?" So in that case, I guess it worked. Uh, I didn't buy it, but I mean, it kind of worked because I may buy it. Uh, I'm also not a big Teen Titans guy fan, but I will say, like, we're going to talk about Beast World a little bit later. I'm really loving that book. Mm -hmm. Uh, Me too. I I am honestly shocked. I think we, I can't remember when we talked about it, but there was like a leak that they were going to bring back the Justice League sooner than we thought. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it was supposed to be over last summer and that never happened. So I am shocked at like the, the patience they've had to not do that. And it seems like this is something to add into that because we're going to get more Teen Titans stuff moving forward. It could also mean that this is the end of this whole Teen Titans experiment and we're going to bring it justly back, but I just don't know enough about zero hour to make any kind of proclamations about it.
1: Um, And maybe, I mean, this is like, this is, could be spinning out of what's
0: going on at beast world. If that's part of it. I mean, definitely. Teen Titans are the main team here. Like they're the center of the DC universe right now. Um, I still don't see reading them week to week. I'm just not that interested in the characters, but if the events keep being this good, I'm, I'm there. Uh, I'm sure I'll be there for this one. That's really all I got to say. I mean, I just want to see more of what it is. To yeah. tell me it's it's tied into a book I've never read before, yeah, it doesn't do much for me. No, it doesn't do much. So I guess we'll find out. And just to be fair to everybody out there, like I was never a big DC guy. So a lot of the... Uh, I'm, This is kind of a more obscure DC event. I did try to go back and read some of the... Like I've read all the crises and stuff. And I know this is technically a crisis, but whatever. Yeah, um, not as big,
1: I would say.
0: Yeah. We'll see. we'll see. We'll see.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, uh, Oni Press has given us more information about the Nacelleverse initiative and what to expect. There it is. Of uh, the zero issue one shot. The first series will come as a three issue series of Robot Force starting in May, then Biker Mice from Mars in July, and Sectars and the Power Lords to come later in this year. Uh, Robo Force will be written by Melissa Flores and art by. Uh, diogenes neves uh yeah and that art for the robo force oh yeah i love that the toy the toy cover (laughs) this does look like a pretty cool uh book just from the covers
0: i yeah i'm i'm interested in what they're doing here yeah and that's something i would like be
1: crazy about but i might check this out
0: yeah like i i kind of want to check out in the silver's Zero, just to see what's happening here, but I just have no connection to Robo Force. I have a connection to Biker Mice from Mars. I remember that card, yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't remember any of these. Um, and then just reading up on it, like this is one initiative for Nacelleverse. There's also like this whole animated universe they want to create, and like Dwayne Johnson's connected and Ryan Reynolds and shit. it's this is. It's going to be crazy when it all comes out. But yeah, it is. I like the covers.
1: Yeah, the covers look really (laughs) cool. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll see when the Cellverse issue zero comes out. Yeah, I need to know what's going on here. Um, Boom Studios announced a new limited series coming this May called Uncanny Valley. The series is about a young boy who has the ability to see cartoonish characters in the world. It is thrust into a murder mystery. Uncanny Valley, written by Tony Fleeks, with art by... Dave Watcher uh, cool Tony's doing that. It looks like a really interesting book because you definitely have like Wiley e. Coyote and Elmer Fudd <laughs> and Ryu and Ryu yeah like basically <laughs> a lot of cartoon knockoffs of
0: things <laughs> that we know um, yeah it looks pretty fun. The basic premises reminds me of something epic. A book from last year. Okay, I never read that one. Yeah, which was a kid who could, like, his superpower was imagination, so he could see, like, imagination was basically another dimension, and then everything we created with our imagination lived in that dimension. You and I couldn't see if he could. And what was cool about that book was every so often, you would see distinctive knockoffs of Superman fighting Goku, or like... Mm-hmm you know uh, Tinkerbell would be like with him while he was drawing and all this stuff. I think the only difference here to there is that that book was very, very like introspective and serious about like a kid whose mom was dying of cancer. Right. (laughs) It was a really good book. Don't be wrong. And this one seems to want to have more fun with the premise. So I'm really Um, interested in this book personally.
1: I don't think it's coincidence either that the main character looks just like Shaggy, (laughs) especially with like the green polo and everything. Like,
0: well, and like, I guess the murder mystery involves those crows. So like, yeah, we're not talking, we're not talking about something. It's it's almost a who frame Roger rabbit. Yeah. You know, with a
1: Shaggy doing a murder mystery on his own. (laughs) Yeah. So yeah, I'll be in for it. It looks like fun. Tony fleek's doing good stuff this year. So
0: yeah.
1: Um, New independent comic publisher Mag Magma Magma Comics has anoint has anoint- has announced their first lineup of comics and they have partnered with Diamond Distribution. The comics will be available as part of their first wave are as follows. This one sounds really, really interesting. Uh, and it looks friggin' awesome. Uh the infamous Jackson Lanzig and Colin Kelly with art by Emon Wick. With- Winkle on a book called the principles of necromancy. I'm already in, yep. uh, especially with that insane cover.
0: So it's, you can stop there. I'm buying it. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, do to talk about the scripture, but we will. The city King has driven the barbarian hordes to the edge of the world, ushering in an age of reason and medicine, but in the dark woods beyond his reach where the last pagans still keep their ancient ways. A single man of civilization is about to show the true meaning of med- medical miracle. His goal to overcome death itself. And God help the manner King who stands in his way.
0: Yeah looks fucking insane uh i love it i i mean first uh, and kelly i'm yeah. buying the book like that's yep. that's it hands um, down it kind of sounds to me like we're getting a D frankenstein book
1: which is awesome
0: yeah so this is a huge swing for a new publisher
1: <laughs> oh yeah that's that's a pretty big swing yeah
0: and uh I like their uh they're Pennsylvania based, which I don't think there's another major publisher in Pennsylvania, so like oh, cool. good on them. Yep. And uh yeah, I this book sounds fucking awesome. Yeah. And then oh. that's just the first book in the line. Yeah. So
1: <laughs> the second one. Uh Silicone Bandits written by Jason Starr with art by Dalibor Talajik. And in a near future where automa- automation has caused mass unemployment, programmers Kenji and Aurora's career seem safe. But when they're suddenly fired, the couple hatches a desperate plan assemble the perfect heist crew out of androids they programmed. The ensuing crime spree goes perfectly until betrayal and sentience emerge and equal- equally devastating
0: turns. This one, not so much. Not so crazy about really, i Really? I mean, I guess, yeah, it, it doesn't fit your taste as well. But for me, I think yeah. this sounds dope. <laughs> I'm more hyped for a necromancy book for sure. Yeah. And I, I tend to be more of a sci-fi person. Plus you're talking about a, a, a heist. We're also yeah. down in my neck. Hell yeah. Woods. Hell yeah. Um, I love, I mean, it's weird to push this out of everything, but like, I love the logo.
1: <laughs> no, I do really. Lo- yeah. That's
0: pretty awesome itself. Yeah. It's really cool. I, I think, Not, I mean, Jason's done work with Marvel and I don't, I think image, I don't think he's been at DC, but he's done work with Marvel. He's done like some like B tier Spider-Man books and everything. So he's a pretty big name as well. Not the level of Lansing and Kelly, but still, I think wave one, I'm probably in on both books. So now I guess the question
1: is, if they will be made available digitally.
0: That is that is a question yes uh, <laughs> I don't I don't yeah, know, I don't know. I would, well, I, I we gotta re-look. ask
1: Lanzig and Kelly get them on here
0: yeah they gotta get back on
1: I it might especially take- like it, yeah if they're independent publisher maybe they'll be available.
0: I'm not sure it's kind of hit or miss with that because I've talked to some publishers where they literally have told me it's just not worth their time. Which is like, how hard is it to upload a PDF? I, I, yeah. I'm with you on that, personally. Um, I don't know. I understand that it is time and money that's spent, but it's just, I, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. It's, I, I mean, I talked to, I don't want to throw anyone yeah. under the bus, but I talked to a independent creator who didn't offer a digital version on his Kickstarter, and I asked why. And he said that he would get like, he would get one, maybe two people that bought it. So it was no longer worth his time to do it. And I always, personally, I feel like, well, it's an investment in the future because then down the line, when you're four or five issues in, somebody can just buy the PDF of all of them. I also am just like, I know how the right. PDFs are made. And right. is, is it really that much more work to like make so. a, a digital ready one as opposed to a print ready one? Yeah. Um, But we'll see. I think you're seeing a lot of the smaller publishers kind of pull out of the whole indie or the whole digital thing, which is unfortunate. But yeah, it just says it's available at your local comic shop on the press release. So that says to me there's no digital version. Mm. But and this is the other thing with these kind of publishers. So. (laughs) Oh my god. Sorry, I'm going through and they have this picture of Lansing and Kelly that just made me laugh. Oh, really? Uh, Most likely, they're going to send out review copies to people, right? Right. Uh, We might be lucky enough to be one of them. So you have a digital copy already.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That's true. I didn't think about that.
0: But we'll we'll see. I want to see if I can pull up this picture so I can show you. It's so fucking funny.
1: I'm so uh, I'm excited for Lansing and Kelly to have their own, like create their own thing.
0: Yeah. They've done some in the past, but yeah. In a while. This sounds really cool. Yeah. One second. I know this is like bamping on, on air, but like Sorry. this is the nah. picture that made me laugh. Oh my God. <laughs> the, uh, the Pulp Fiction one. <laughs> <laughs> that's their like official press release photo. I, I was going to say that should be, that's hilarious. I love those guys. Yeah. they're They're good people. Yeah. Uh,
1: for the third week in a row, IDW has released new info on the soft reboot of TMNT. The first four issues will have a different artist attached to each issue, with number one being drawn by Joel Jones and featuring Raphael. Our issue two will be Raphael Albuquerque, oh shit, featuring Michelangelo. Issue three will be drawn by Cliff Chang uh, featuring Leonardo. And spotlight issue being drawn by Chris Burnham featuring Donatello. The Following, the first, following these issues, four through eight will be drawn by Raphael Albuquerque. Uh, who's an amazing artist we are we talk about all the time. But all of those guys are amazing artists. Uh, Jason Aaron writing it, if you guys didn't forget. Uh, and you can see right there, all three different character designs, I think, fit them perfectly. Like Chris Burnham art on Donatello. Like, holy shit. Uh, that's insane. This looks so cool.
0: It's funny. When I was reading the press release, I was like, Chris Burnham on Turtles? I don't know. And then I saw that image more of a blown up version of it. So you can really get a good look at it. I was like, Oh, this is going to be good. (laughs)
1: Yeah. yeah, Yeah, That's going to be a really good book. Uh, I'm probably in it for these first four issues for sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I I am too. I'm I'm definitely diving into the turtles for this. I personally like Raphael's great. Cliff's great. These are all great artists. The one who I never get to read, who I really love is Joel Jones. Because she does a lot of like she's done a lot of Catwoman stuff over the years, yeah. She has, she's got great art. Yep. And I'm just, uh, I don't know, the characters she touches at DC are never the ones that like I'm into. So, yeah, I'm excited for her to be on it. I'm also wondering because they specifically said Raphael is going to be doing the art for the next four issues two issue eight. So, does that mean these four are going to interchange for four issue stints? Oh, maybe what's going to happen.
1: I know Joel, Joel Jones art on Raphael looks fucking phenomenal. Yeah. And then it's weird to see like Chris Burnham doing Donatello is not what you'd think, but like that looks really good. And then you have the two in the center, like Michelangelo and Leonardo, like, uh, I think Cliff, Cliff Chang went with like a, like a classic turtles look for the comic
0: yeah. And that's yeah. the thing. Like if yeah. you do let's say it's these four. I don't know if it is or not. This is just yeah. my prediction. But the tenor of the story can change based on the art too, because when you have Cliff doing it with that style, yeah, you can kind of go more lighthearted and do like a traditional turtles story. Mm-hmm. But when you have Joel Jones doing that fucking muscle bound, yeah, angry Raphael. turtles, yeah. You can get more serious and and so on and so forth. So there's just If they do that, there's so much potential as to what the book could be moving Mm -hmm. forward and changing all the time. So I'm, yeah, I'm really excited for it.
1: Yeah. It looks, it looks really cool. Uh, This, this definitely increases the hype of, of this book for sure. Yeah. Um, all right, let's talk about what we read this week, Chris. I had a lot that I had to catch up on, so I still have a lot, but I read, I read a few books here. Uh, could not pass up on reading titans beast world number five no you could not um yeah this uh a lot of things happen in this issue um waller pretty much is like you know i'm i you know i this this dude sacrificed himself the one that she threw into into the starro to like kill it uh and she makes herself look great and she's like oh now we have to kill the one million infected people so it doesn't affect anybody else we will start corralling them into like camps or like sh- you know pushing them to the edge and uh so the titans are like that's kind of fucked up so they go off the plan uh the whole fight with with peacemaker and nightwing was a lot of fun <laughs> um where peacemaker's like the only thing you don't protect is your head and then he like twist his helmet around like (laughs) Knox. Yeah. Why don't you wear a helmet? Yeah. Uh, it was pretty good. Um, the whole thing of like, she set that up to make them look like villains because they like hacked into the government, which cyborg can do at like any time. Um, and the weight
0: of that decision by Nightwing was done really well.
1: Yeah, that was, that was really good. Um, and then we find out that Dr. Hate was not who I thought it was because we had the whole fight with Dr. Fate and Raven. And that, Or Dr. Hate and Raven, not Fate, sorry. And then the reveal at the end of the issue is Dr. Hate looks like an older or maybe alternate evil version of Raven.
0: Yeah, so I was a little confused by that because I was like, it's either future Raven. Yeah. Or it's Raven's mom. Do we know? I mean, I don't... Excuse my ignorance here, but like, I don't know who Raven's mom is. So no, I
1: think Raven's mom is just a nobody that she's the daughter of like Trigun.
0: Okay. Yeah. So probably a future Raven then.
1: Yeah. It looks like a future Raven to me. Like
0: that gave into the, um, the crystal or the the stone. Yeah. The stone. Yeah. Uh,
1: which was really cool. I'm interested yeah. to see that. Like, what what world does she come from? If she's multiverse, or if she's comes from a future. Like, what does that future look like? Is it the future where Garth is dead, and so that's what sets
0: her off to become that? Well, and going back to the whole zero hour conversation from earlier. Like, what little I do know is that zero hour does involve time travel of some sort.
1: Interesting. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So right.
0: this could be part of that whole like whatever that future zero hour story is, could be like the conclusion to this. Mm-hmm. Um, at least this story beat. Yeah. I love this issue. I think the whole, the part that got a visceral reaction out of me was Amanda Waller when they're like, this is the hero and she's yeah. the one that saved us from, and then yeah. she goes on this speech yeah. that not to get super political here, but like just reminded me of like being in high school and listening to these, these fucking, warmongers being like yeah. well we have to bomb them yeah we or have being to like we have to kill these million people yeah like, we have to kill them all that's the word to protect everybody and yeah, if yeah. there's one thing this world i hate the most it's those people yeah. so like that whole speech really got a reaction out of me and then um i'm really interested to see how they end it like yeah are, is it going to be like everybody saved are we gonna have like some people stay as a monster or beast or whatever Mm-hmm. i'm i'm so invested in the ending of the story I'd yeah it's really
1: it. good it keeps getting yeah. better and better for sure
0: yeah um this is probably the biggest surprise of the year for me in terms of a book yeah that i would never yeah great great
1: into. surprise taylor killing it right right ivan reyes art amazing oh uh Batman neo-gothic number six the uh finale with the lansing kelly dunbar book um I think it was a good ending he kind of resolves everything constantine has his redemption where he takes all his curses back as he's dying so he doesn't look like so much of a piece of shit um terry gets gotham involved with these like they had you know the backup light tracing stuff where you know some of the people in gotham can fight back and get these bat suits um to, to fight everything. And, and that's kind of where they like leave off at the end. Uh, they do mention that the light, the villain, Mr. Light, I can't remember his name, uh, whatever his name was has disappeared. So they don't know where he is. I'm sure that won't ever come up again. Um, He's gone forever. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it kind of wraps everything up nicely. These six issues stories that they're doing are, uh, they're great story arcs. They're interesting looks at the characters and, and different things that we haven't seen in Batman beyond before. So, uh, no, I really liked it.
0: I already talked to Death about that book, so I loved it too. But yeah, yeah, uh, Army of
1: Darkness number four. Uh, uh, speaking of Tony Fleeks, uh, this is the book that he's been doing that I've been really enjoying. Uh, Greenwood on the art. So again, there's three timelines going on. Ash is looking for the pages in the future, and now he he's like traveling around with this robot, and that turns into a ray gun for him, which is a pretty awesome scene to happen. So he his boomstick doesn't work he doesn't have his boomstick so now he has a laser rifle uh the, the present day one is evil ash and he's like learning how to use the internet from one of his employees at work but he's like starting to like him and befriend him and like the the uh the evil like in his head is like what do you want to be friends with this guy so you can see he's like going through this struggle of like well this guy's being nice to me um so that's that's a fun story and then uh in the middle ages we have the princess with the wizard they go to like they're talking about the book and he he like knows that the cult was sacrificing somebody and she's like well how do you know about all this info and he disappears so either the wizard was evil or like wasn't the actual wizard that he said he was and like disappears and is probably going to do some bad stuff uh yeah this has been a great series i think it's a good jumping on point for anybody that's like a big fan of army of darkness because this kind of just starts right off and splits into three different stories that are a lot of fun. So cool. Uh, and then Fantastic 4 number 16 or 16 issues into this. Damn. Uh this is North and uh Mortarino on the art, which I don't think Mortarino was doing the art before. Uh it's just a fun issue. This it's like another one-off issue. Um the kids are back so they go to school, they do a science project. They're like really popular at school because they're Fantastic 4 kids. Uh uh, they do this science experiment that goes wrong they need their parents help and they kind of resolve it in the end uh it was a fun story that's you know that's the series has been a lot of fun i've, I've been enjoying it so and that's all i had this week
0: all right some cleanup from last week uh yep. the deviant number three came out it's really good but it's kind of a it's a flashback story so the only disappointment there was that we didn't really get the way last issue ended issue two ended left in a big cliffhanger. And now I got to wait another month to resolve that. <laughs> but I'm sure there's a reason for that. It just, mm-hmm. But a uh, good book altogether. Uh, <laughs> the bloody dozen a tale of the shrouded college number two came out. And this was a whole montage of them learning like how they're going to work as a team. And, um, run the spaceship and everything and then they shoot off and it's them like trying to get to, along in space mm-hmm. when they found and we get the backstory of like how the shrouded college originally created the base around the moon to hold the vampires and uh, we also learn that another vessel is heading towards it and that's kind of the cliffhanger at the end is oh we're not the only ones coming that's why they rushed us here so good book so I really enjoyed duke so I checked out Cobra Commander Number One, which mm-hmm. is the other GI Joe book by Joshua Williamson. Yeah, saw so that came out, and it's literally just an origin story of like this guy who works for this um, basically cult that's Cobra, and he gets sent out into basically the real world to figure his shit out after um, he f- like fails a mission for them. And this is Cobra Commander, and it's him basically working his way into how he's going to take over Cobra mm-hmm. and use it to fight against um, people and turn it into a, a domestic terrorist group. Okay, but um, nice. It's pretty good. I, I mean, it's not. It didn't reach the level of Duke for me because Duke is very hyper specific, like down my lane. Right. But uh, I did enjoy it, so I'll I'll continue reading it. Uh, the Weatherman Volume Three Number One came out, and uh, nice. I love the Weatherman. That series is so good mm-hmm. <laughs> in every yeah. way. Yeah, this is a. It's been a few years since the books come out. This is going to be the last volume of it, and they took a lot of this issue. Half of it's kind of catch up, like, all right, this is where we were. This is where we're at. Mm-hmm. And the other half is backstory of Nathan and how he became this like inter intergalactic terrorist mm-hmm. uh, and his like ascendance to that and it's all done with some of the other characters talking to each other and figuring out how they're gonna capture him so I'm really happy this book's back. This is one of my favorite books. I forgot
1: but, about that book completely. Yeah, it was a really good story. Yeah, I
0: saw it got announced and I was so, I was through the roof. I'm like, I couldn't believe that they're actually going to finish it. Um, yeah, so that book's back. Cap Wolf and the Holland Commandos number four came out and it's really good. It's Cap Wolf fighting wolf Nazis. I mean, <laughs> hell yeah. What more do you want? It ends, but and then in typical fashion, it does leave a kind of a door that could be a sequel. Or it could just be, well, we all know Cap happens again because there's a 90s story that this is based on. Right. So I kind of, I mean, I wouldn't mind either way. It's it's dumb fun, and I had a blast with it. James Bond 007, number one. This is a, a new series that Garth Ennis is writing. Oh, interesting. And what I love about it first is there's this whole intro where like there's these people that are planning to assassinate Bond because he assassinated somebody Mm -hmm. and it's, you think this is going to be the big bad. Like he draws the scene out for a a while yeah, and then Bond comes in, murders them all. And is just like, yeah, I figured I'd take care of this before like you became a problem and then goes back and we find out what the actual story is. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty great. Which is, uh, I mean, in typical fashion, like Bond has to go on a mission that involves an older agent and uh, how he's tied into this, um, this weapon that weaponizes water and can kill people just by filling it up with water.
1: So it's I like, think the that's most... a, do you think that's a, a shot at quantum of
0: solace? It might be. Yeah. But I, I it, can see Garth Ennis doing something like that. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. But it's literally like this thing happens and it, it doesn't really blow up. It just kind of like immediately crystallizes and kills anybody that's in its like radius. Oh, that's cool. So they're considering it the most dangerous weapon in the world because there's fucking water everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's like the plot to uh, the Dark Knight or
1: not yeah. the Batman Begins, right? With the, they try to like vaporize water everywhere. Kind of. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Huh. Interesting. So, uh, Yeah. If you like James Bond and you like the, what Dynamites would do with James Bond books, it's, it's, not really breaking the mold too much. It does have a little Garth Ennis flavor to it. Um but that's a good thing. So, cool. Superman number 10. We got Superman in the Wild West with uh uh what the hell's her name? Madam Moon or Oh yeah, Starlight or say so, yeah, something like that. And we get yeah. kind of her backstory as to why she exists and what's uh-huh. happening with her. And uh then they have to fight somebody that I was hoping Jonah Hex was going to show up because we're in the wild West. I mean, you had to do Jonah Hex, right? Right. They don't do it. Oh man. Uh, (laughs) Of course not. But we do find somebody that escaped Superman and fled to the past. And Superman remembers this, goes to find him. And that's his kind of ticket to the present. And then while doing that, he can write a wrong of like this guy being free. And then, uh, he makes a promise to the, whatever her name is and says, uh, Listen, I'll find a way because she's actually a spirit that's been brought back, mm. and is basically forced to come out um, through moonlight. Oh, and all she wants to do is like go back to heaven or wherever she's was at. Yeah, uh, the afterlife. Let's just say that. And he makes a promise to solve it, and then in the meantime, goes back, and we kind of get the intro to what the next um, big bad's going to be, which is that. Squad with the guy with chains and like the other the two brothers, yeah, that were kind of behind the, the scenes.
1: Doctor Sickle or whatever their names are, yeah, yeah.
0: They capture Superman and are like, our plan all along was to kill Lex, and we want you to join us. Mm. And I don't know if you know anything about Superman, Mike, but I don't think he's going to join him.
1: I have a hard feeling about that. Yeah, <laughs>
0: I don't think he's going to do it.
2: <laughs> we'll see. We'll it, was see. Good, it was a good yeah. issue.
1: Yeah, I haven't liking the story. I'm just I haven't read that one yet.
0: Punisher number three. Uh, it's funny, because on the cover, it shows a vampire. And there's, I don't think there's a vampire in this book. Oh, man. But uh, <laughs> Punisher gets in a fight with... It's funny, because the characters have been like Z-list fucking Marvel ca- villains uh-huh. that are just blatant, blatant Batman ripoffs. That's awesome. So I think we talked about last issue was like a Clayface ripoff. Yeah. This is a... If Scarecrow was a lizard person. Because she had she's like a lizard person, but she has like a fear gas. Yeah. And so she's killer Punisher- croc. <laughs> yeah, killer. yeah, with fear gas. Yeah,
1: killer, killer, croc,
0: croc, uh killer scarecrow. Killer croc croc <laughs> crow or something. I don't know. Scarecroc. There you go. But yeah, so it sends Punisher into this this Tizzy. Um, he's in the fear gas. He sees his like family melting and dying. Of course. And uh like any good punisher or Batman, he's able to overcome it and then fights the bad guy and kills him. Nice. And kind of the B story is that the detectives that have been following him find this whole thing happening and they try to arrest him and they, they come to a terms that like we should work together to finish this, then we'll deal with the whole legality of it all. Mm-hmm. Uh and then the C story is the the woman that's helping Punisher behind the scenes gets captured. And we find out that the person behind all of this is none other than Jigsaw. Mm. Cause it's not a Punisher story without Jigsaw. Mike. Of course. Star Wars Thrawn alliances. Number one came out. Uh, based on the Timothy Zahn novel. And I was happy to see that Timothy Zahn is actually getting writing credits for these now. Cool. Um, basically. So, Thrawn is forced to work with Vader to go find something on this pl- a disturbance in the force on this planet. Uh, how every great Star Wars story starts. And uh we find out that they had worked together in the past during the Clone Wars. And important note Thrawn knows that Vader is Anakin, and in the time frame, nobody else knows this. Mm. So, like Vader doesn't like Thrawn because he sees him as a threat. Uh so they're, they're forced to go back and figure out what this uh, threat is. And it goes back and forth between the present and the past during the Clone Wars when they met on this planet and uh, they worked together to try to save Padme, who got captured on the planet. So we got kind of a, a two-tier story here that's a lot of fun. I read the novel, so I know it's a great story. I think the art in this is really good, and I like the way they set it up in the the comic. Um I don't think you need to know a ton about Thrawn. Uh, the most important thing there is that Thrawn knows he's Anakin, uh, that Vader's Anakin. Other than that, it's very reader, new reader friendly. Cool. And then my final book is Ghost Machine Number One. Nice. What'd you think? Fifty-fifty. Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll let you know when I read it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rip this bandaid off real quick for you, Mike. Yeah. Um, it's advertised as having a Brad Meltzer story in it. <laughs> There's no fucking Brad Meltzer story in this, Mike. Wait, what? There's a two Jeff John stories. I'm sorry, three Jeff John stories and two Peter J. Tomasi stories. And that's it. We're so to
1: tweet at them and be like, guys, where's the Brad Meltzer story? A
0: little disappointed off the bat. Now, I understand Brad Meltzer is a part of this ghost machine thing. So maybe that's what they were trying to communicate. But like I took it as Brad Meltzer as a story in this book. Yeah. So a little disappointed there. Um, and then in the intro, it says creators. And it lists them all. And Brad Meltzer is one of them. So like I said, I'm a little disappointed by that. But we've got the unnamed story, which tie, basically ties all of his books together. Mm-hmm. So we find out they're all on a timeline. So Redcoat is, I'll talk a little bit more about him in a second, but he's an immortal. So even though he takes place during revolutionary times, he's still alive. He's just alive. Yeah. Yeah, Makes sense. And, um, Geiger's kind of the main villain here, almost like he's Mm. seen as this big villain. And we see that he's kind of going across the wasteland, trying to figure out how to cure himself. And um, along the way is going to have to take out like a bunch of uh, bounty hunters and crime bosses. So that was interesting. Uh, Redcoat was another story. It's basically his origin of like, he's immortal and he knows Davy Crockett and all these other random people Mm -hmm. and kind of what he's doing. And I like the fact that he's immortal, but like if he's killed, he looks like he's dead. And then the joke is every time he wakes up, somebody's trying to rob his corpse. Oh. Uh, and they get freaked out because he just wakes up. That's funny. So I like that. Uh Rook. So I'm sorry, for Jeff John stories. Rook is a basically a sci-fi story where we have this these farmers on another planet that left Earth for this terraform planet and were promised by this corporation. Uh, that they would be able to build a civilization there. And like any good corporation, they lied. And uh, adventures ensue. That one really (laughs) interests me. Uh, I like the character designs because all the characters have a mask that is based around an animal. Um, And like one of the guys is a pig farmer, so he wears a pig mask. Oh, okay. Uh, I was really interested in that. The two Tomasi stories, I didn't care for, but I think you're going to like The Rockefellers. Okay. Because it's a family of time travelers. Oh, cool. And then Hyde Street, I'm sorry, Hornsbury and Halo was another Tomasi story. I just didn't really care for it, personally. Um, and then Hyde Street was the horror one. I don't think this story gave me enough to like or dislike it is my problem. Like it kind of just gave you the premise that there's this street called Hyde street Mm -hmm. and like bad things happen on it. And then that's it. Like Jekyll and Hyde. So yeah, it didn't really give me a good idea of what the book will be. Now I'll probably try it out because I've enjoyed all the stuff that John's has done independently so far. Um, But the other three, I mean, first Geiger we have a history with, so of course I'm going there. Yeah. Redcoat revolutionary war stuff like i'm down and then rook is a it looks like a cool sci-fi story with awesome jason Fabach art yeah so yeah and that's another thing uh gary frank jason Fabok, and then brian hitch does the red coat story so no shortest of great artists mike that's awesome yeah it's it's good if you're interested in this world pick this up i think especially the first three stories for me got me interested so um it did its job cool for most part yeah i gotta catch up on all that yeah so mike that was everything i had uh this week where can people find you on the internet you can find me at fortress ricker on twitter where can they find you and or the show we can find me at fortress chris on twitter also i'm sorry you can find the show at fortress comics underscore on twitter you can find me at fortress chris on twitter and you can also find us at fortune comic news.com You can give us the five-star review on Podcatchers. If you want to support the show, like, subscribe, share, comment down below in the YouTube version, or go over to Patreon at patreon.com slash Fortress Comics. And if you want to support me personally further, there's chriscomicscorner.substack.com. Thank you all so much for watching and or listening this week. And we'll see you all here next week.
3: See ya.
1: Nice.